We're just 24 hours before full year and less than seven days removed from Drew McIntyre's heel turn on WWE Raw, yet all the talk in wrestling seems to be about a man who is signed with neither AEW or WWE. It wouldn't be a wrestling week without CM Punk's shadow looming large over it, and it wouldn't be a wrestling week without the Earning the Push podcast. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster, alongside professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. How are you, Mr. Beckett? I am very well, thank you, Mr. Murray. I haven't been this week, but I have been struck down by the dreaded Lurgy this week, but not badly enough to stop me getting on the podcast. I'm feeling well now, good to go, and lots of exciting wrestling to talk about, as it always seems to be at the moment. Yeah, deja vu all over again, because you had the Lurgy last week, I think, as well. What I'm just going to say as well is usually it's you who is on your travels. I'm actually mm. recording this from a budget hotel in Norwich. Uh, I'm on fat family business, which makes me sound like a mob boss, but I'm also seeing WAW uh, at their Fightmare show in uh, in Norfolk, so if it's a little bit different sounding today, that is why. So much wrestling going on, and we're going to do things a bit differently this week and start not by talking about a promotion, but about one person. We have to, because all week, CM Punk has been sending out not particularly subtle teases about both WWE's War Games at Survivor Series and the AEW Devil storyline. He could be having some fun with us or he could be signaling something more is going on charlie he's pushed himself to the top of the run in order what's going on with cm punk well i think we can safe to say that phil is having the time of his life with this i just imagine him sat at home with uh, his better half his aj lee like aj aj look what i'm gonna do look what i'm gonna do like an excited child teasing us all um but he, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's a very clever businessman. Whether he's with AEW, whether he's with WWE, whether he's with neither, he is capitalising on the the speculation and the press and the fact that we all can't stop talking about him and he's keeping himself very much the forefront of all our minds. So I don't have a clue where he's going to end up, what he's going to do, and that's really exciting. In this day and age where everything gets spoiled, the fact that we don't know where he's ending up and the fact he might end up at neither is genuinely properly exciting. Okay, so fantasy book this for me. Forget the man, think of the character, because we know as a man you wouldn't have him within a country mile mm -hmm. of your locker room. But as a person, uh, as a wrestling persona, you think he's the bee's knees. Does he go WWE? Does he go AEW? Does he go neither? When we talk at the end of the month, what's going to have happened with him? So I think... The least likely is him going to AW. I can't see that happening. I think that bridge is well and truly burnt, I think. The fact that Tony Khan's out there talking about how he feared for his life and this sort of thing, I think. If CM Punk goes back to AW for a third time, I think it makes a farce of the whole thing and actually makes it makes Tony Khan look very, very uh, unpowerful. That's not a word, but I've made it one. It looks like Tony Khan is succumbed to the pressure of CM Punk and that sort of thing. So I don't think he goes there. I think. He either doesn't come back, which is very, very possible, or he ends up in WWE. And I think if he is getting up in WWE, I think they, ha they have to do it at Survivor Series because it's in Chicago. And it's like, almost like stars aligning. I think how you do it, I, I don't know. I think if they weren't... So it looks like we're getting a fifth member of the heel team for War Games and Drew McIntyre. If they don't announce who the fifth member of the face team is ahead of time... It has to be a CM Punk. It has to be. It can be Randy, and there'll be a huge pop for Randy Orton if you announce that ahead of time. But don't announce it on the night and have Randy Orton's music hit because 
any other time of the year, in any other place, that would be a huge pop for Randy. But in Chicago, the night that CM Punk might be turning up, and there's a surprise entrant, anyone but CM Punk is going to be. It's like when Rey Mysterio came at 30 at the Rumble and wasn't Daniel Bryan. It wasn't Ray's fault. It was a great return, but he wasn't Daniel Bryan. This wouldn't be Randy's fault. He just wouldn't be CM Punk. It does feel like we're on the cusp of that moment, and not because WWE is booking poorly or because wrestling fans are bored of what WWE is doing, which I think was the case of that rumble where we were desperate for Daniel Bryan because he represented something new. But just because of where Survivor Series is and who CM Punk is, you're right, WWE may be sitting in their corporate offices in Stanford going, we haven't signed him. He's got nothing to do with us. But he has created a problem for them they're going to have to address. 100%. And the only thing that makes me think there is going to go on is you see... Um, Nick Aldis, for example, this week being asked about it on um, either an interview or a podcast, but I saw the quote and he could have very easily just said, CM Punk's great, but we aren't signing him. It's not happening. And he spoke for a good 30 seconds about how great CM Punk is and how he doesn't know what's happened, but he'd love to work with him if the opportunity came and stuff like that. And if they are not signing him, which they are completely entitled to with the man that CM Punk is, like, as I said, if I ran a business, I wouldn't have him near it. As a fan, I want to see him. But if Triple H go, no, we're not having him there, I don't believe that he'd be letting some of his employees, some of his on-screen personalities say how much they'd love to work with CM Punk. So if you think they'd be under strict instruction that if you are asked about CM Punk, you shut it down early and make it very, very clear to everyone and to the press, we have not signed CM Punk. But that's not the messaging coming out from WWE. It's a bit of a, oh, I don't know what's happened, but I'd love to work with him. So that's the only thing this week that has made me think, that I, I, I am leaning towards him coming back to WWE. And we're framing this as CM Punk having some fun with both companies, potentially. It, it could be more. It could be nothing more than that. It's also this guy who has a reputation, rightly or wrongly, in the industry. His last thing he does in the industry could be getting booted out of AEW. I think part of this is damage control from him saying, look, actually... People can say what they want about my legacy. All it takes is six Instagram stories from me and suddenly I'm still the most talked about guy in this business. That is smart business for him. Whatever he does next, maybe he's not doing WWE or AEW. He wants to do mixed martial arts or he wants to do New Japan. It pushes up the amount he can ask for and his reputational value. Yeah, he he's shown very quickly how fickle we can be as wrestling fans, hasn't he? We all speak about how shocking he is, what he did. We wouldn't have more of that. But as you say, five or six Instagram stories and we're all wildly excited at the prospect of him coming back very quickly. So he absolutely is showing the value he has to any company still. Let's talk about Full Gear, which is happening this Saturday night uh, in Southern California. Matches include MJF versus Jay White for the AEW World Championship, Sting, Adam Copeland and Darby Allen versus Christian Cage and his group Orange Cassidy against John Moxley for the international title, Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Page, and more. How this links back to CM Punk is there's a lot of speculation we're going to see the identity of the, quote, AEW devil at full gear. Now, if it's not CM Punk and it's not Adam Cole, whoever it's going to be, if they reveal it this weekend, has got a bit of an uphill struggle ahead of them because we've got our first and second choice. No one else really factors in. Yeah, again... Through no fault of AEW's own, AEW haven't lent into on their programming it being CM Punk or it being Adam Cole. This is what we've speculated as as fans. And this is the risk you run with a mystery who done it or who is it angle. The fans can get in their head who they want it to be. But if it isn't one of those two people who, let's be honest, it probably isn't, 
it's a tough gig for whoever it is because the fans are going to be like, oh, it's that person, which is really unfair on that person. But they're not CM Punk who got fired and not Adam Cole who has just had surgery. Like, there is no way, in no other sport, like, imagine this is another sport, like, in football. They're like, we've got a huge surprise signing on deadline day. We're not there going, well, it's clearly going to be the guy that just fired or the guy who's just had an ankle operation. It doesn't happen in other sports. It's it's unique to wrestling, and it's so tough for the bookers. Like, Tony Khan could be ripping his hair out here, being like, I have not done anything to suggest it's either of these two people. Why, you idiots, do you think it is? It would be like if Manchester United were like, we've got a big signing coming, and everyone's like, it's Eric Cantona. And we go, no, no, he's, remember, he retired and he left. Yeah, Cantona's coming back. Can't wait to see Cantona. It's not Cantona. And then when it's someone else, some poor Egypt they brought in, everyone's going, shame it's not Eric Cantona. We do it to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we are our own worst enemies as wrestling fans. We get ourselves, and podcasts like this fuel it. We fuel the fire here having conversations about it. Like, I'm not slandering it. It's great that we do it, but we do sometimes set ourselves up for monumental falls. Then we're like, ugh, the companies just don't book what we want. The companies can't book someone who's who's out for nine months with an ankle injury to be the devil. They can't do that. They can't. Not everyone has John Cena's genetics and physio care where he can get back in three days from a six-month-er. Like, it's not how most people work. But here's the thing, though, and, and we will go on to what we know is on the card in, in a tick. If it is CM Punk, that is the single greatest storyline move of the past 10, 20 years. If it's Adam Cole, that's pretty close in terms of working an audience. Um, and if CM Punk turns up in WWE, that is equivalent to when Bret Hart went back or the Ultimate Warrior going back. So if any of these things play out, they will be monumental. Um, let's see if they do happen. So let's talk about this card then for AEW. On paper, pretty strong. Not much to complain about there. No, really, really good matches. Some we, We've clamoured on this podcast to our detriment at times for storyline from AEW and we've got some coming into this which is really nice potential change of pace for other times what AEW are really brilliant at is even us dream cards of dream matches they have not been as great in the past I think it's fair to say of giving us storyline about those matches um, and they're probably leaning a little bit more into the storyline here rather than your huge dream matches now that's not to say these matches are bad we're going to see Adam Copeland on an AEW pay-per-view which is huge MJF versus JY is a genuine main event like that is a big time match main event feel so we've got good matches we've got big matches we've got storyline i think we are in for a really really strong show from aw i'm looking forward to it yeah i feel like aw is on the upswing and it needs to be i'm really enjoying the resurgence of hangman adam page i was so into adam page at the start of aw and then his title reign i wanted him to win that belt so much and then he just he lost a bit of fizz i don't know if that was punk and cole and brian um coming in all at the same time and it just seemed to lose that spark. But with Swerve Strickland, who also has introduced himself to a much wider audience as a really good performer, I think they've been made for each other in this feud. I think it's been great. And we've seen the best Hangman page we've seen in a long time. Yeah, Swerve Strickland's brilliant. And for those who didn't see him in NXT and WWE stuff as much, this is great that he's getting to a wider audience of this guy is a top-tier talent and can go the whole way. Like, I wouldn't surprise me if in the next few years, he's an M uh, not an MJF world champion, AEW world champion. But I agree entirely what you're saying about Hangman Adam Page. His timing of being champion was brutal. Like to be the champion and be a smaller name champion, like you're you weren't you're not a huge star from somewhere else. You're not a Kenny Omega. You're not the Young Buck. So 
you were one of the first, like, not homegrown, but a smaller name champion in AEW. You'd worked your way up the card in the company to then be champion when they brought in Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. You've got Kenny Omega there still as well. These huge, huge names intertwined with your story. That's really hard for anyone to be champion, though, at that time, let alone someone who's probably still trying to establish himself in the main event um, sort of station in the main event picture. So I think through no fault of his own, it was a really hard time that they handed in the ball there, AW. So it's nice to see that he's maybe gone away, taken some time away, and now we're seeing the Adam Page that we all really enjoyed. I think it's fair to say we all enjoyed the hangman who chased the title more than the one who had the title. And we're seeing that sort of Adam Page again, which is some of the best TV AW can put out there. Like, I think you're right. I think they've been the perfect dance partner for each other in uh, in this feud. They've brought each other. They've both elevated each other. I think it doesn't matter. Obviously, it always matters who wins and loses, but I don't think either person will be damaged by losing this this match that we're getting. They've both elevated each other through this feud. And what we're getting as well is we're getting a really good world title picture because we've got MJF, who is, who is dealing with whoever the devil is, also, you've got Samoa Joe trying to be his tag team partner for the Ring of Honor tag team belts, but clearly wants a world title shot. You've got Kenny Omega still in the mix as well. You've got a Hangman Page who can come up. You've got this Continental Classic that AEW have announced where you would assume the winner of this tournament gets some sort of world title shot. They're, they're doing lots of good stuff, AEW. The problem is, I think they're almost... they got that third-year syndrome, fourth-year syndrome. Lots of people took a look at AEW and then went away over the past couple of years and they got to bring people back and I thought the shame of Dynamite this week it felt quiet it felt small and I don't know what the crowd was but it didn't have that raucous energy that the early AEW shows had they need to try and find a way to get that spark back I think yeah I think it's a combination of both when AEW came in obviously brand new everyone's interested in the brand new thing it was exciting it was something to rival WWE that we hadn't had since the early 2000s so we hadn't had it for almost 20 years I think it's the it's less new now like more of the when something is new and exciting you forgive some of the downside of it I think we are less forgiving now of now they've been around three or four years but also I say this a lot WWE's brilliant at the moment like WWE television and programming is consistently some of the best it's been in my memory of being a wrestling fan at the moment, I'm actively excited to watch Raw and SmackDown and NXT. Like, all three are firing at the moment. And that's hard to compete with for anyone. So, I think it's a combination of both. AW, I don't think AW is worse than when it came. I think AW is far better than when it started four years ago. It just maybe hasn't, the upward curve hasn't accelerated at the, at the pace we might have expected or wanted it to. But I think it's being dampened by how great WWE is and, it's easier to be a WWE fan. It's more accessible. There's more household names. There's more stuff to watch. So when WWE is good, I think, I say this a lot, the hardcore AEW fans will watch AEW. The hardcore WWE fans will watch WWE. I think the, the hardcore wrestling or the more casual just wrestling fan in general will always air towards WWE because it is what they know. So when WWE is good, they will watch WWE and won't go looking for AEW. And... There's not much you can do to compete with that because WWE's been around forever. Yeah, let's talk very quickly before we get on to WWE. Wouldn't be AEW without Tony Khan teasing a big announcement. We're told that at Full Gear this Saturday uh, in California, they will be signing a world-class athlete every wrestling fan knows. Now, I didn't know you were heading uh, to the west coast of the USA to put pen to paper for AEW. You kept the secret from me. Yeah, obviously couldn't couldn't uh, let that get out. As why actually I've been quite hard in AW. I didn't want anyone predicting it. 
Uh, no, it's clearly Usain Bolt. And anyone but I'll be disappointed with. I just think this man sets himself up for a fall sometimes. Like, a world-class athlete. Okay, now, that means someone... We're all thinking of only the best of the best in their sport, aren't we? So you're, you're, you're genuinely thinking of the likes of Lionel Messi, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods. Like, you say world-class, you're thinking household names. I don't think he's got one of them knocking about at the back in AEW. You don't think it can be a Will Ospreay or a Mercedes Monet. You don't think that's that's who we're going to see. Because those, I think, to be fair to him, would pick that world-class every wrestling fan knows. I, I don't disagree with that, but why throw the word athlete in? He's making it sound like it's someone from another sport using that. Like, why not say a world-class wrestling talent? To, like, to be to be fair to him, that might be my shorthand, so... Don't go off no, no. I, I, I think, I think I saw the word at okay. the, the quote was. I don't know. Now it might just be a wrestler. Maybe I, I could have got the complete wrong end of the stick here. And if it is a Will Ospreay on Mercedes Monet, that is extremely exciting. They are some of the best in the world on the same punk pun. They are some of the best wrestling talent in the world. So that would absolutely fit the bill. But if he has used that word athlete, you start to think of all sorts of things. Yeah, and here's the other thing as well. It's what, six weeks after you brought in Adam Copeland, who is however many weeks after the next person. Now, he's in a rock and a hard place because if you sign this level of talent, you're going to shout it from the rooftops. But you also, you know, if it's six weeks after Adam Copeland, now you've got the next best person or the next best person, it can be difficult. Look, let's talk WWE. Remember, this is adding the push. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. On Raw, we saw Drew McIntyre turn heel to solidify himself in all but name as a fifth member of the Judgment Day for War Games. That's Survivor Series, and on SmackDown we saw Asuka turn heel to set up an apparent women's war game match uh, between herself and the rest of Damage Control against, we guess, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Shotzi Blackheart, and, and some as yet uh, other unconfirmed team members. Can we talk about the women's war games first? Because last week we were pretty open in saying we don't think the card needs it, not sure the story's there. Looks like we're getting one. It's not been confirmed, but that's where it seems we're going. Uh, have you changed your opinion based on what we saw on SmackDown? No, I haven't. I'm going to go back to what I said about AEW. I feel what WWE have done here is what we criticise AEW for quite often is they're going to give us a great match. The 10 women who are involved are going to put on a hell of a match. I do not doubt that. I love the spots we talk about and we'll say that was a brilliant match. But there is zero story going into it and I guarantee there'll be zero story coming out of it. How long are Asuka and Kerry Sane going to stay aligned with Damage Control? I don't reckon very long. This is def- this is This screams the whole... We're Team SmackDown and we're Team Raw and we're going to fight for bragging rights at Survivor Series and after it, we're going to completely forget everything about us being mates. I just, yeah, I think it's um, a last-minute botched-together thing that will be, again, it will be a brilliant 35 or 40 minutes of wrestling. I do not doubt that for a second. These women will go out there and will be sensational and will enjoy the match. I just don't think it needs, the card needs it. I think it makes it a long card and I think these women deserve better than just a botched-together match. These are top-end world-class talent, give them story, give them a reason for war games, or give them a reason to have other matches on the card. Don't just chuck them in a war games because we're doing a war games. You know, I think that's the thing. I would much rather have the talent in that group that we're going to put together for war games having different storylines. And you can get away with it from the Rumble point of view because it's clear. It's a world title shot at Mania. You can get away with it at Money in the Bank because the women's titles are as prestigious as the men's. There's no reason to have a war games other than you've got a blood feud. You can only settle in war games. 
this isn't it for me and it will detract from the men's match. And if the women's match was the main event and had story building for months and they threw a load of men out in war games, the men's would detract from the women's as well because you'll be anaesthetized to, to the impact of all the brutality they'll put themselves through. And that's maybe the bigger issue here is it look at how far off we've been building towards this war games match with the men. Like it's been pretty much been, well, there's, there's obviously issues with the Judgment Day and Cody Rhodes this lot for a long time. There is the issues of the bloodline stuff and then Jey Uso coming into the face side and that's why Drew's angry. So it's been going really for almost a year since Drew had his issues with the bloodline. Like That's why Drew is now aligned with the heels and it makes sense because we're referring back to things that happened a year ago. Drew is angry with all the other faces because they've just forgiven Jey Uso for all the awful things he did to them when he was part of the bloodline and Drew can't do that because he cost him, the bloodline cost him the title at Clash of the Castle over 12 months ago. So we are leaning back on that much stuff for the storytelling of the men's war games match, and that's why it makes sense. Like it, it they have just botched Drew McIntyre into the heel team, but it makes sense that he's there because he can't get over Jay being back. It makes sense for all these faces. Like in the past, faces have just teamed together because they're faces. No, this time they all have an issue with the Judgment Day. The Judgment Day have wronged all of them individual or as a team at some point, so it makes sense. But that has only been able to happen over three, six, 12 months of storytelling. So that's why it's so annoying is WWE have shown they can do this. They can have the foresight to do this. And it feels like we've done a disservice to women by not doing that and just chucking them in a match cause. I have a question based on that. So our fifth member of the Babyface team on the men's war games, it's 10% punk. It's 90%. That's sort of what we're looking at potentially, those sort of numbers. Doesn't Orton have an issue with everyone on the face? side every single person yeah so i was thinking this randy yeah it doesn't make sense for why randy would come back but it sometimes you do things don't you because it's cool it's fun and hey randy's back so I, i'm yes i'm forgiving that one like we'll just be like oh cody and randy are mates now and he's come back yeah i i agree rand but randy orton isn't a face or a heel randy orton is a power unto himself is it one surprise in half of the match he rko'd one of his teammates they're annoying him He's, he's like, but no, that that will be, whichever one of them it is, it will be there for a pop and a pop only. Yeah, and I think Randy Orton is a definition of you don't know what you've got till it's gone mm. because he was someone we just took for granted. Mr. Workhorse, there every mania, every sport, do it. And he's been gone for, what would you say, about a, slightly less than a year? No, I think I saw the other day that if he comes back at Survivor Series, it'll be 18 months to the day, his last match. Right, so 18 months. And God, just think of, you know, WWE hasn't suffered from not being there, but I think he will start getting those legend pops now. I think yeah. he's gone from legend killer to legend. He's going to get the sort of pop Cena has been getting on his latest run because I think we all thought for a while Randy wasn't coming back. And that seemed so cruel because he was just starting to get that sense of, of okay, this guy has been unbelievable for 20 years. And he was doing his... um RK bro stuff wasn't he when he went that's what he was in which was really enjoyable and he was getting that sort of love that he deserves I think you're right I think when he comes back it will be those legends pops that we're seeing Cena get where you won't be able to turn this guy heel again now people won't boo him I don't think and that that is incredible itself because Randy Orton was one he's one of the greatest heels we've ever seen along with Edge I hated Randy Orton as a teenager like despised him and I think the fact now that he is at that point where Fans won't boo him. He's Randy Orton. They will not boo him. Shows just how great he's been for so long. 
Yeah, it really does. I think Jay Uso's doing a very underrated job as a babyface. There was a clip on social media this week of all the crowd doing the up and down with him on his entrance on the turnbuckle. That decision to move him to Raw to make him a top-tier level babyface, and I know it started with the world title challenge at SummerSlam, but that is paying off. He is a credible top guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's massively over. Uh, fans love him. He feels very much at home in that main event scene. I think the one the one person who is losing out in this hobble myself, I think, is actually Jimmy Uso. Like Solo Sokoa is clearly on his way up. That squash he just had a scene is incredible. Roman's Roman. We we all hate him because we hate him. Like we all hate what he can do, and then we come back and we're like, ah, Roman, you're the best. We love you. Jimmy's kind of the forgotten son of this, isn't he? And that's the tough thing is it always happens when tag teams split. One person goes up, one person doesn't. Shawn Michaels, Marty Genetic, the, the obvious example. And I don't know where Jimmy Uso, the single star, slots in. No, I agree. Um, a couple of other quick bits and bobs. We're getting Miz versus Gunther for the IC title. We've not spoken about that in the past couple of weeks with Miz as a babyface. And we had Kevin Owens sit in on commentary on SmackDown this week. He was storyline suspended by Nick Aldis as a result of physicality with um, Grayson Waller and uh, Austin Theory. That's interesting to me. Because Nick Aldis coming back as an authority figure surprised a lot of people. But if what we're going to get is Kevin Owen and Aldis in a bit of a feud, take my money. Yeah, I think Kevin Owens and Nick Aldis in a feud will be brilliant. I think Nick Aldis probably hasn't been able to show what he can do to a lot of people for a long time now. Obviously, Master in the Indies, that sort of stuff. But it'd be great for him on WWE television to show what a great character and he can be. And Kevin Owens is the perfect man to play off with that. So I actually really enjoyed Kevin Owens on commentary. He's just mental, isn't he? He's absolutely bonkers, but brilliant. So really interesting where that goes. Are they going to turn KO heel again? Or is Aldis going to be the heel like authority figure in this? I'm not sure how they'll do that. I would go with Aldis as maybe not even heel, but the you know if you're enforcing the rules against Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens is so much fun when he breaks the rules and that's yeah. his nature. That's the way you go. And that is a that is an either night of WrestleMania that could open the show, that could go midway through. That is a yeah. big match. It's it's the sort of, like, on a much smaller scale, Stone Cold and Vincent Mann. Like, Vincent Mann was a heel. Vincent Mann was terrible to Stone Cold. But Stone Cold, in any other industry, would have been fired so quickly. Like, just broke the rules so many times, and we all just cheered him. Kevin Owens is that, is that guy, isn't he? He's, he is Stone Cold reincarnated in a lot of ways. And, yeah, I think while KO hasn't had maybe the title match he would have wanted at Mania, you look at the... Last few matches he's had, he's wrestled Stone Cold. He's main evented with Sami Zayn. Like, if he gets this match with Aldis, like, I'm sure they'll do a brilliant job with it. It won't be a main event, but great storyline going into it. They, they, you can give Kevin Owens anything and trust him with it, and he'll do a brilliant job and always make both himself and whoever he is with look better coming out of it. So, I, I would be very interested in that going into Mania because you want Kevin Owens to have something that he can really sink his teeth into. That is story. That is months of build. And I don't see off the top of my head where else he'll slot in. And it's crazy, isn't it, that it's the 17th of November and we're starting to talk about where we go for Mania now. And that's what WWE is so good at, is they plant the seeds early and we can start doing this. It's where other companies maybe struggle. And not just AEW, all other companies. No one does this like, like WWE. No one does this build. I think we're probably attuned, aren't we, to how the wrestling calendar works WWE around the big four pay-per-views. We know how it works and... Coming out of Survivor Series, it'll be what goes into the Rumble to come out into Mania. And this is where you start to see what might go into Rumble into Mania. So 
they're very good at this. And yeah, not something a week ago I would have said I wanted. And now I could very happily get excited for that. It is an exciting one. Just on Miz versus Gunther, I think we're agreed Miz isn't the person to take the title off Gunther, but it's a great way to start his latest babyface run. But you know, the more I've been thinking about it, the more I think you have no one beat Gunther. I think you have him drop the title. What else can he do? I mean, you could give someone a huge rub, but if you want Gunther to go to that very next level, have him surrender the title and chase the world belt. Yeah, I... They did it with Asuka, didn't they, in NXT, where no one beat her and she just surrendered the title to come up to the main roster. And there's nothing saying you can't hold the Intercontinental title and the world title together. But I almost feel like Gunther wouldn't want to do that. And I think, yeah, I think it makes sense to have Gunther be like, I'm done with this. Like, I've taken this title as far as I can. There is literally no one left to face who can challenge me for this. So thank you very much. And Seth Rollins, I'm coming for you. And if he takes a belt off Rollins and he does it in Berlin, for example, or he beats whoever in Berlin, wherever it happens, you can still get the equity of someone has to beat Gunther. He's undefeated in X amount of singles matches. I just, I can't see anyone on that men's mid-card to take the belt off him. And not because of lack of build, he's just at another level. Would you do it at Mania or would you do it in Berlin? Is he a babyface or is he a heel? This is a thing. This yeah, he's so I think if you hold out till Berlin, I think it's obvious it's happening. I think you you like I know we all thought Drew was doing it at Clash, but I think if you hold out till Berlin, I think it's happening. I would do it at Mania because I think if you do Seth Rollins versus Gunther at Mania, I think people buy your um false finishes there. I think your close three counts. I I think we don't know who's winning. That like, they could have Seth go over Gunther. Seth could be the one to beat him because someone's got to beat him one day. It could be Seth. If you have him face anyone as challenger in Berlin, I think we know what's happened beforehand. I think there's. A, I think you're right. I think I probably gun to my head. I'm doing what you're saying. I think there is a way you keep him out of the world title picture of Mania and you give him a good match against someone, but it's not a main event. And then you have Gunther win Money in the Bank, and the next night say, "I'm cashing," and do a pre-announced cash in, which we don't often see, but we saw it for one night stand with Rob Van Dam where he says, I'm cashing in in Berlin. And then we just do two, two and a half months of just Gunther training. And then you make that the biggest match there is. I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely equity in that as well. I mean, I just, I really want to see Gunther versus Brock Lesnar. Like, I really want to see that match. And do you do that as just a spectacle at Mania? Like, does he surrender the Intercontinental beforehand? Or does Brock come after the Intercontinental title? Like, you want to make the Intercontinental title feel important, have Gunther beat Brock Lesnar for it, and have Brock want to take it off him and not be able to. Like, Then it's your, it's almost as big as your top two titles. I don't know, but at some point, I feel like that is a match we have to have. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's what you do at Mania. I think if you want to get to Berlin and not have him win the Rumble, that's the match you give him at Mania. But exciting times in AEW, exciting times in WWE, exciting times all round in wrestling. Let's see if our everyday... Quickly, sorry, quickly. Oh, for, sorry, one thing I meant to say about WWE. We lauded them for this a few weeks ago, but I want to ask you something. Mm. Where's Jade Cargill? Well, she came out and appeared at the NXT show to watch from the crowd. Yeah. She's not done a huge amount more than that. Is it bothering you she hasn't done more than that? Well, it hadn't been until I thought about it this week. And I was like, the first two or three weeks of her being signed, she was given... A star treatment like we were like oh if you were an AW and you were considering coming to WWE you would be there like this is how you make a new star and the last two or three weeks 
We haven't seen her, unless I've missed it. I haven't seen her. And wrestling moves so quickly. I feel like we've missed out on, like, now when they bring her back out, we're going to have to reintroduce her. And I'm not I'm not even being facetious there. I genuinely think we're going to have to give her the build again. And I don't, I don't, like, the last thing I can remember doing was that NXT uh, watching, as you said, and she had that face-off with Charlotte backstage. Apart from that, it's just it just feels really weird. They built her up so hugely and perfectly and then have not capitalised on it in any way, shape, or form, it seems to me. Like if you're Mystic Murley, we've got three women on the babyface team yeah. at War Games. Yeah. Number four is Becky Lynch. Number yeah. five is a, you'll have to wait to see who it is or Becky brings her out. She can look like a monster in War Games without yeah. having to do that much. Maybe that's a plan. That, that, I think if they do that, then I understand that they keep it quite a little bit like Simon. If they don't, then I don't really know what they're doing. Like, they were so brilliant at the start with her, and then it's just all gone quiet. It's just really strange. Yeah, and do you know what? I'd forgotten that I'd forgotten that, so you, you bang on with that. Um, Well, look, we'll wrap up the wrestling and talk about our everyday lives just for a little bit, uh, earning the push and back to developmental. Something we love, something we hate. First or second for you? I'll go first this week. Uh... Quick one on back developmental. As I said, I've been ill. That happens. But it happened to me literally as I was logging on for this call, literally two minutes before, I went to take some uh, cold and flu tablets. And as I did, the tablet broke in my mouth and the taste of the powder of those tablets is disgusting. So that is my back developmental is if a tablet, a paracetamol, anything like that ever crumbles as you're taking it. Oh my God. Disgusting. I, one of the stupidest things I ever did, I was working a really long shift and I was away, we were on location, I was feeling really tired and someone said, just have a Barocca. Others are available. It was a Barocca. I never had a Barocca before. I didn't know you dissolved it in water. Oh no. Oh so I, no. I just put it straight in my mouth and it just fizzed. And I thought I was having an episode. I thought I was dying because it just fizzed up and then started frothing out of my mouth. And my cough- having rabies. Yeah, and my colleagues both couldn't believe I was stupid enough to do it and also could not stop themselves laughing to help me. So I, I'm with you 100% on that. So that is my bad mental. My earning the push is if you need a smile, if you just need to cheer yourself up, which we all do from time to time, just go on YouTube and just watch like the top 10 amazing um, voices you wouldn't expect or rock covers or auditions on The Voice Go and watch when the voice, and just watch how the genuine joy and shock in the judges when they turn around, they hear these voices, the genuine joy of the people of performing, and also just how happy their families are when the chairs turn around. Like, I've, I've exhausted all the voice videos over the last two weeks. I've been watching them to cheer myself up a few times the last few weeks, and it's just pure, unadulterated joy, and makes me feel really nice and warm inside. So, if you need cheering up, spend 20 minutes watching them, they're great. And also, some of the singing's brilliant. Like they're really good. So yeah, that's my own the push. You soppy so and so. But you're right. That's that that is a great show. And it's also it is. It does what it says on the tins. It's the ones you think, ah oh, yeah, jog on. And then they just belt out the most amazing song. So I am with you on that. Uh, my back to developmental is recording in hotels. I do not like it. it yeah. I feel very self conscious. It's a very quiet corridor. I'm convinced everyone can hear everything I'm saying. I am not a fan of this. But what I'm hoping is I walk out and there's another wrestling fan across the way who's been liking the good. whole thing that'd be good yes so that's my back to developmental but 
uh, earning the push is uh, one of the reasons I'm here. Uh, partly it's family business, but partly it's WAW Fightmare. I'm not pushing WAW specifically, although they are a great promotion. I know this is bending the rules, but it's wrestling related. It's a British scene. Get along if you can to your local British scene. Soft Pro, WAW, um, TNT, Progress, any of these places, because you're Nick Alderses and you're Drew McIntyre's and whoever we're talking about on a weekly basis, cut their teeth on the UK scene. Yeah, I remember when WCPW then became Defiant in the early days, I went and watched a show on Milton Keynes just because I think it was headlined It was headlined by Drew Galloway versus Alberto Del Rio under his name of whatever it was then. But that was obviously a great match. I really enjoyed that. And Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre now again, was on this great run in the Indies. But I happened to see, without realising I was seeing the, at the time, uh, Pete Dunne, uh, Tyler Bay, these great guys who now five, six years later I'd pay hundreds of pounds to go and see I think my ticket was £15 and it's a great day out and you see great wrestling and also like wrestling fans can be awful with each other online we can be a horrible bunch but actually there aren't many things more joyous than being in a room full of people who love the same thing you do and wrestling fans in person I think are great and when you go to a wrestling show however big or however small you're all there for one reason it's because you love wrestling and especially these smaller shows, only the people who really love wrestling go to these. So it's great to be surrounded by people who have a passion for the same thing as you. And these lasses and lads, they're working full-time jobs. They're doing this around everything. They're doing it for the passion. Hopefully they'll make it big one day, but that's not why they do it. They do it because they love wrestling. So go and support your local British scene. If you're listening around the world, get to wherever your local shows are. You won't regret it. This industry we all love exists because of it. So before you choke on your cough medicine, one last question. Who is going to be under the devil mask at full gear? And do we find out? Do they tease it for just a little bit longer? Uh, I don't. So I'm in two minds on this because I think if it's Adam Cole or CM Punk, I think we find out at full gear. I think that makes sense. If it's not, I think they tease it a little longer and they try and maybe calm those flames of anticipation, excitement. For example, if CM Punk then turns up in WWE the week after, that obviously takes one of them away. And then you maybe have Adam Cole like come out and show that he really is in you, like chop his leg off or something. I don't know. But I think if it's not either of those two, which I don't think it is, I think we don't find out this weekend. So I'm going to say we don't find out. What do you think? I'm going to give you just a bit of fantasy storyline. I'm going to say we find out. I'm going to say it's Will Ospreay. And I'm going to say that Tony Khan turns heel and signs Will Ospreay after the Ospreay reveal. So Ospreay pulls off the mask. It's him. He attacks MJF. He walks up the stage. Khan comes out and they sign the piece of paper. And that's what we get. I'll be entirely wrong or I'll look like a genius, but that's what I'm saying. Look, we'll be talking all about full gear on next week's show. Also, the go-home shows to uh, WWE Survivor Series as well. There'll be loads more going on in the wrestling world. And you can support what we do by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Uh, listen to us each and every week. Tell a mate or a colleague about what we do on the pod. And give us a follow on socials. He is Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. But for today, we are out of time on Earning the Push. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your rest of the week, and we'll see you again soon. Until then, bye-bye.